Crypto, Secrets of the Trade, hosted by BJ Pyrus. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crypto, Secrets of the Trade, a crypto trading podcast where you can hear stories, methods, and strategies from the best traders in the industry and learn from those who have already succeeded. Today's episode features Inner Circle Trader, or ICT for short. He can be found at I underscore AM underscore ICT on Twitter. Twitter is a a great place to find really good traders, especially in crypto. However, today's guest is a traditional market trader focusing mostly on Forex uh, or foreign currency trading, although he's actually a popular name in the crypto space as many crypto traders have referenced ICT and his methods when developing their own trading. In this episode, I talk with ICT about his background and how he developed his trading methods. You guys are really going to love this episode as ICT is a pretty has a, a pretty unique approach to the markets. Without further ado, here's ICT. Hey ICT, how's it going? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Benjamin. Yeah, it's it's uh, been been really awesome to follow you on Twitter and see a lot of a lot of people in the crypto space uh, speak very highly of you and, and get a lot of their methods um, from you. What I like to do usually just just to start off the show, I know you're not in the crypto space, um, you're primarily in traditional markets. But um, did you have any any comments on the crypto space, you, either either overall or um, just like anything going on lately, or any any comments on on price and crypto? If not, we can just get into the other questions. Well, as some of my uh, regular followers and readers know, that I'm not a crypto trader. Uh, I'm not active in it. And I very, very rarely comment on it. So as an opinion on where it is going and what it's doing, I don't have any comment on that. Gotcha. And that that's what I figured. I just wanted to see if you had any input. So if we want to just dive into your history a little bit, you can you can go as, as deep or as shallow as you want on this. But what was your what was your life like before you got into trading in general? Um, and kind of what what your goals were and then how you got into trading and then how your, your, your life was sculpted after that. Well, I was a young man, uh, recently graduated and married and then divorced <laughs> really quick. And my first relationship uh, failed because of my inability to really provide my first wife a lifestyle that she wanted. And it kind of scarred me and I pursued a lot of things with, uh, bettering myself. I went to school, got a degree in computer science, specializing in information systems. I wanted to be a systems analyst. And after going through the schooling, all the things I went through in terms of learning, uh, they were outdated. All the languages were no longer being used. So I was left to do you know, regular jobs and very low paying jobs. And just so happens that I worked for a, a guy that at Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, many people know this story, but in the back of the magazine, there was an ad, uh, Real Money, Real People. And that was the beginning of the long journey that led me through various mentors, various teachers and, and styles and approaches to trading. And 27 years later, you know, here I am doing something that's completely opposite to all of those things and teaching what I've learned with the visibility I have now to anyone that's willing to listen. Awesome. And did you did you start trading for like a firm or or just did you start trading for yourself? I like everyone else, so I, I started with my own money. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty pretty tough to do starting out like that. Um, okay, so uh, how did you? I I know a lot of this. Um, you have a lot of information out there. Your system is very unique. How did you go about? developing your trading style and, and your methods because you 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 like I said you're you're very different than almost any other trader out there. So how did you go about sculpting that? Well the first thing is is I lost a lot of money. Uh, I lost a lot of money. Uh, multiple accounts. Uh, initially I had a uh, a run of nine months of good luck and that convinced me that I had figured it out and that the retail things that I was using were real and they helped, but in fact, they were not. And it was just happens like any other lucky streak. Uh, when the reality hits you, you don't know anything. And I had to 
basically forget everything I've been exposed to and apply some of the things that were very generic about price action. Most of that came from uh, Larry Williams, which everyone should know who that is. He's kind of like a giant in the industry in terms of commodity trading. But the things that he talked about uh, specializing in what the commercial traders are doing, what the large hedgers are doing, uh, they're in the business on a long-term fundamental reasons behind why they're in it. So they're not going to risk you know, billions of dollars on, you know, crap shoots. They're going to be looking for real valuation because they're managing or operating or facilitating real commerce. So if they're heavily vested in being net long or net short, I kind of like want to follow that crowd. And that's that was the beginning stages of what I was able to find in price action. That was not really me. It was just what I learned from Larry Williams. But from that, I migrated to other things and some of the things that Larry would say in his teachings, uh, it didn't, didn't resonate with me. In fact, I felt them as personal challenges and wherever he admitted he had weaknesses, that's where I honed in on. I said, well, if he can't figure that out, I want to be the one that figures that out. And that was the beginning point of what I teach as power three, which is the accumulation manipulation and distribution cycle in the daily range, which kind of like everybody talks about it now and it's going by different names and different, you know, titles, but it's really just everything I taught from 1996. The evolution of that led to me being kind of like very busy on America online uh, back in the nineties. That's what the internet was for us. We were back in dial up ages where the modem would, do all that uh, <laughs> really <laughs> nasty sounds as yeah. you're connecting. And when you get on there, it was just billboards, just billboards and or websites. And I put myself out there and told everybody what I was doing with the commodity markets. And I did everything with uh, stocks as well. And I was hitting like a 90% strike rate and people were loving it, but the federal government wasn't loving it. So they stepped in and you know, subpoenaed me and said, Hey, you know, what are you doing? And I didn't know what I was doing in terms wow. of, the regulation side of it because I wasn't putting disclaimers out. Mm -hmm. If everything I'm saying is working, you know, who wouldn't like that? <laughs> but right, right. Apparently, uh, you know, there's there's rules and regulations that I wasn't aware of as a young man. And they kind of like stopped that real quick. But I got attention from another group of people and uh, they more or less introduced themselves over a period of several interviews with me. And they kind of like exposed me to the side of the marketplace that isn't readily seen or even believed in. And still, even when I tell people that this is what I'm using and the things that I'm showing in price action, that it's completely alien to everyone, even the biggest, you know, well-known people, they don't talk like this and they don't see price like this. And it sounds arrogant. It sounds braggadocious when you hear me speak, but I'm only talking from experience when I was exposed to how the markets are really made, because you hear these terms market maker commonly banded about now mm -hmm. over the last 12, 15 years, uh, that really wasn't talked about, really mentioned at all prior to 1996. And sure. that's when I was bringing all that stuff up then. And I had lecture notes and I did a lot of teachings and one-on-one -on -one sessions back then. And all of it really focused on how the markets are really designed and rigged because they really are rigged, whether you want to believe it or not. Yeah, every trader out there wants to believe that their indicators, their trend lines or their, whatever the thing is they add to their chart is the, uh, the catalyst for why price is moving. And it's not, and none of those things are having any impact on what makes the market move higher or lower. It's actually, designed like the high and low is actually determined at midnight in New York time. Mm -hmm. I do it every single day and I've proven it. I've taught it to people. And once you see it, you understand it. It's, it's completely, it's shocking at first, but it's very in, empowering afterwards. Yeah, definitely. And I have seen, um, I mean, it, it does seem like, like bigger. And as you've said before, I mean, it has to be thing at like assets and, and markets that, have enough institutional size players um, trading them. But I, I mean, I have seen like stop runs and stuff like that. Like it seems like those price knows just where to stop you out. Right. And that's kind of what your system is, is based on. 
Right. Right. I know when the manipulation is going to take place. I know when the expansion to another pool of liquidity is going to occur. I generally have an idea of how far into the liquidity pools it will reach and the day of the week the moves are going to occur, the time of the day it's going to occur, um, certain months of the year when certain moves are going to occur. And I also have it to the point where I know what minute of what hour of what day of what week of what month of what asset class is going to do it. Awesome. And I, I know you, you said you don't dabble in crypto, but I know you've made a few videos on Bitcoin at, at this point. It, I'm pretty deep in the crypto space. So my opinion is definitely that there is <clears throat> enough big money in Bitcoin, at least to trade the way you're trading. And I've seen a lot of traders kind of piggyback on that style, but um, how does that work? I know, Again, for listeners, um, ICT does a lot of work with like kill zones and uh, trade opens and and specific times with Bitcoin being a 24-7 market. Um, Is there any way you know how to factor that into your style or is it something that you might look into if it ever comes up? Well, if I were being honest with you, when I'm on the weekends relaxing and away from my asset of choice, which is Forex, I do spend time looking at Bitcoin in that regard. Uh, the reasons why I'm not actively pursuing trading or doing real-time analysis with it, with my group, because I have a mentorship that I don't even comment at all on crypto. And a lot of people, and I just want to throw that in here because I know your space is crypto heavily you know, mm-hmm. focused there. I don't do anything with Bitcoin, but in my personal time, I have been studying it and looking at it and trying to see if the signatures in price that I look for for Forex and and commodities and futures, if those things occur, they come in and out. I've noticed that they they are there sometimes, but they're not there enough for me to feel confident to, to even pursue going into trading it at all. Now, what I'm encouraged by is that it, it's starting to show those things. So when you say there's big money in it, okay, granted, there's big money in it, but that big money hasn't really gained control over it, and they will, whether your community is the crypto space, believes it or not, you know, big money controls everything. Mm-hmm. And if this is going to stick around for a while, they will absolutely own this too. And whether it's you know deregulated, if it's you know non-fiat, whatever they want to call it, the reasons why, this world is greedy. It's ran by money, greed. And it's always going to be the, the elite that tries to seize control over it. Otherwise, they'll kill it. So my studies are looking at when these signatures become routine, like they are in Forex and like they are with futures. When I see that, I will be public with it and say, okay, now crypto is what I would rather have waited to see it become now it's there now. And then I would, I would start talking about and commentating, but until then, I don't think it's there. I mean, it may have a lot of people in there with, with you know, deep pockets, you know, maybe there are institutions in there, but those institutions are not actively working in it where I can see certain things in price with Forex and I can see it with futures that I cannot readily see with Bitcoin and other cryptos. So it's that element that keeps me at bay in terms of not wanting to do with it, do anything with it rather. But I am on the weekends spending about two hours, you know, two and a half hours with it, looking to see what it has done over the week. Um, if there's any increase uh, in terms of its symmetry and I don't see it right now, once in a while it'll come in and then it'll like peter out. It's not there anymore. So uh, that's about as far as I can say, you know, as, as far as what my visibility is on it at the moment. Sure. And I, I can appreciate that for sure. What you're saying kind of lines up. I, um, I, I'm a Forbes contributing writer and I had a, an interview a couple weeks ago with John Bollinger, uh, based on like, uh, Bitcoin and crypto markets. And what he said kind of lines up with what you're saying to me, at least in that he, he mentioned like crypto markets are less, uh, quote noisy than, um, traditional market. So it kind of seems like he was saying the same thing, like they've gotten a bit noisier with some of the more institutional trading products that have come out regarding Bitcoin, but it still uh, goes more applicable to like traditional charting methods. So it kind of seems like that lines up a little bit with what you're saying. 
give or take uh, points here and there. But um, okay, so I know we don't have a chart, uh, and it's kind of tough to do without a chart. But is there any way you can just give kind of an overview of what you're looking for, and kind of an overview of how you frame your trades and kind of what makes a trade look good to you? Well, the first thing I like to see is is there a retail pattern or retail concept that is very obvious in the chart because when I see those things in the chart, I turn it upside down and I trade against that because my belief is, and again, the statistics state, it's always mentioned this way, like 90% of traders lose. And what do they trade off of? All the things that my books and library has all those same pages too. And none of that stuff made me money. Initially it did for nine months, but it's only because I was buying markets that were going vertical anyway. I mean, you could have threw a dart any any calendar day, you know, if it landed on that day and you bought, it was generally a good day to buy because everything was you know, just going straight up in the 90s as a commodity trader. So what I want to do is look at an, a market that has a very clear, like uh, I love like head and shoulders patterns and bull flags and things like that. Not in the same sense that the retail crowd that subscribed that because I used to try trade that stuff and I would always lose money. I like looking for those patterns and fading them because if we have a probability of 90% of a specific perception on price action being wrong, then that's really high odds. And it just so happens that, that my strike rate generally is around 90% because I'm doing everything opposite to what the public is doing from the highest macro point of view, which is, following the commercial traders at the highest high and the lowest low, what are they doing? Because they're going to top the market and they're going to bottom the market. But then I'm following the large funds in the middle because they're the best trend following models. And then for day trading, I'm looking at where the intraday high and low is expected to form. And I want to see them sucker the retail crowd in, in London. If it's going to go lower, I'm waiting for that initial surge up where that creates a market protraction to the higher end which I call Judas swing. It's a fake out. So I'm looking for those types of scenarios where they all line up from a macro intermediate term and a short term basis where every facet of those timeframes are diametrically opposed to what the retail crowd's going to think. And then I don't have to worry about overbought. I don't have to worry about sentiment. I don't have to worry about moving averages. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm fading less informed money. Yeah, for sure. That, that definitely makes sense. And that's, like a super interesting approach but it, it's it's far more complex than just going against the crowd um which i i mean you have for listeners uh ict has a ton of content on youtube that goes over all of this stuff um one thing going through your videos because i have watched a lot of your videos um what is your sweet spot when it comes to the length of time uh and and charts that you like to trade so um I mean, that there's anything from swing trades that you hold for a couple days uh, in, in general um, versus scalping. Uh, what is kind of like your, your sweet spot that, that you is your go-to um, type of trading? Is it like scalping? Is it, is it intraday? Is it like, can you go into that a little bit? I focus on primarily the weekly range. So on the weekends, what I'm doing is I'm looking at what everyone else is expecting for the week. Then I read the uh, columns from Investors Business Daily if there's any kind of headlines about what they're thinking about a specific market or currency. And then I go into my charts with that idea because now I have a, a, a roadmap of what I should not be doing. And then I look for signatures in price to justify the move going the opposite direction. Right away, my analysis should lend to a diametrically opposed perception on whether it's bullish or bearish. So if the retail universe is saying they believe the uh, pound is going higher, right away, I'm going to go in and look for signatures where retail will see all their patterns like that. And I do that on the weekend. And then when Sunday's open, I want to see where Sunday's open is in regards to where we closed on Friday. If there's a gap, I used to trade on Sundays and, and trade the gap fill. And then once the gap's filled, I would trade the opposite direction and wait for some expansion. I've done away with that. I don't do anything on Sunday anymore. I uh, rarely 
and unless you look at what I've done in the last couple of weeks on Twitter, I rarely trade on Mondays because I'm, again, waiting for Monday's price action to, to form the initial stages of the weekly range. And sometimes the weekly range can be capped with the weekly higher low on Monday. But generally, 70% of the time, if I'm bullish or bearish, uh, I'm trading on Tuesday because Tuesday's London open between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning, New York time, uh, creates the higher low of the week. If you're bullish, it's going to create the low of the week between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning. If you're bearish, it's going to create the high of the week between 2 and 4 o'clock in the morning, New York time. So I'm focusing on that with the idea that I'm going to capture the lines portion of the weekly range. And I'm usually holding to sometime in Thursday, maybe into Friday. In between all of that, because I'm generally a short-term trader like that, in between that, I will do day trades. Um, I'm very versed with intraday, but my choice setup or choice approach to trading is short-term trading, getting in on Tuesday and getting out anywhere between Thursday or Friday. Interesting. And so kind of like uh, you, you hold your positions um, for a day or so generally, typically, right, is what it sounds like? For what I call as a one, one shot, one kill. And if I enter on Tuesday, um, I'm holding overnight Tuesday. I could be holding overnight on Wednesday. And as late as Monday morning, New York getting out. Interesting. And so you don't, it sounds like with that method, then you don't generally take that many trades per week. Like, do you, do you have a number of, of trades that just average on how many positions you take per week? I average about one or two trades per week. That's really interesting. And that's obviously with a 90% hit rate. That's, uh, is it 90% or is it higher generally? I, 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 in my personal trading is 96%, but recently I did uh, eight weeks of trading every single day and doing a lot of trades because I was doing something competitive and I had a 93% uh, strike rate, but I had 5% drawdown and that was more than I usually would have too. And when, when you do have a lot of content on YouTube about scalping, um, what's your, what's your view on, on scalping and what's your time frame? Cause I know again, that can, I mean, some people consider scalping the one minute chart. Some people consider scalping the 15 minute chart. So what, what's your opinion on that and, and kind of how do you handle scalping? Cause I know you have a lot of content on that. Uh, my scalp would be a minimum of 10 pips if we we're trading Forex. Um, if I can find 10 pips in a intraday swing on a 30-minute chart or a 60-minute chart, uh, that's the framework or basis for my scalps. And if you can find something that will provide you an opportunity to get in and get out, cover the spreads, and allow you 10 pips, I don't see anything wrong with that. A lot of people will scoff and say, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, why you waste your time doing that? If someone would practice with that model, Okay, say a new trader goes in there and starts working with that model. They will excel over any other style of trading discipline because they're working with a, a, a myriad of exercises and real market conditions. It, the equation of saying it's only 10 pips, so therefore it's not worth it, is redu it's reduced to um, nonsense when you, when you have that. Because if you have a a student or a trader that's in development and they're actively pursuing the study of price action, how price is delivered. If you can work with a consistent range of taking 10 pips out, taking 10 pips out, 10 you know, over and over and over again, you're getting so much experience reading price, exercising, executing, and managing positions that the guys that are trading on daily charts, who, who knows how long it takes for their setups to come. And how many times are they getting stopped out and being wrong? They're not getting that much experience. So my approach to teaching forces people initially into that area with the understanding that they may never you know, stay in that as their model of choice when they start trading with live funds. It's the best way to learn. And you get so much experience that way, and it builds confidence because it – especially as Americans, we like to have that reward, that cookie for, you know, a participation reward. Mm -hmm. And if you go in the price and you study daily charts and weekly charts, it's hard to stay motivated because you're waiting for something. And most of the time, the people that are learning how to trade, they have no idea what they're looking for. But if you go into price action and you give them a specific snapshot of what price should do 
over and over and over again. And he starts seeing it over and over multiple times a day, several times a week in multiple asset classes. It keeps him highly motivated. And as far as I'm concerned, as an educator that you know, teaches this efficiently to students and that can do it themselves, that is the best area for people to trade in, in my opinion, because it's, it's immediate response, immediate feedback. Sure. And yeah, so that, that makes a lot of sense. So essentially you're saying that these, um, if I can summarize this, essentially you're saying your concepts play out on smaller timeframes, just don't pay out as big. So it's just great for kind of a training ground. Um, and then for people to move into, uh, kind of daily swings after that, if that kind of makes sense of what you just said. (laughs) To make it, to make it easier to understand. The same pattern that I teach and I trade off of with a hourly chart for a day trade is the same pattern that exists on a daily chart that I would trade as a swing trade. And it's the same pattern that exists on a weekly chart that I would use for a long-term position. That same one-minute chart in the span of 60 minutes is creating that same weekly range in price on an hourly chart. It's just smaller in terms of pips the magnitude of how much it's moving isn't in that's not the point the point is are we seeing the same signature this price is the same regardless of whether we look at it on a one minute chart or five minute chart or a weekly chart price is not aware of our time frame a lot of people come into this with this myopic uh, opinion of price only works good on this time frame Price is not aware of your time frame. It's not aware of your system. It's not aware of the concepts you're using. It has no uh, uh, opinion or, or, or affinity <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. for, for what you think is going to happen. Price is moving based on its design. It's designed to do it. It's algorithmic. It's not open outcry. It's not manipulated anymore where you know the floor traders can offer a price up and then run the stops. All that's done away with now. It's all autonomous. So everything's automatic. So when you look at how markets are priced very efficiently because of that, it's easy to see when there's an imbalance, there's an, an inefficiency where price needs to come back and rebuild, re, rebalance and rebuild in um, uh, more efficient structure to price delivery. For instance, if we were looking at GBP and it moved from 2450 to 2430 and it did so in like three minutes, that's very inefficient because price did not stay in that range long enough to allow for those 20 pips to be offered efficiently to the marketplace. So what happens is the market will rebalance, go back up to 2450, and then it'll start to move lower again. That same pattern is what I teach as the introduction to price delivery. And you can see it on a one minute chart. You can see it on a tick chart. You can see it on a weekly chart. It doesn't matter. It's, it's all the same, but the only difference is, is how much there are in terms of pips available. So if you can see that pattern on a one-minute chart and you learn by doing that daily, multiple times, you get so much better at reading price. Then you take a step back and say, okay, now I know what I'm doing. I'm waiting for it to occur on a four-hour chart, and now you're a short-term trader. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. For our newer listeners as well, um, PIPs is is just a measurement of uh, increase or decline. Do you want to kind of compare that of how – like in crypto, we go by, it depends on the size, but uh, with Bitcoin, it's dollars. With uh, altcoins, it could be like pennies. Um, do you want to equate that kind of um, for our newer listeners? I'm not sure I understood your question. So like when you say 10 pips, um, if you were trading stocks, what what would that measurement be? Um, think of it like S&P. Um, if, if you were looking at the S&P futures and it moved um, you know, one full handle, Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2000 to 2001. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be 100 points. Okay. And in Forex, if we went from 124.50 to 124.30, that's 20 pips. Now, those pips can be scaled to whatever. You can make it one penny for, for each point that it moves in or, or against you, or you can make it as large as you have in terms of leverage. Excellent. Um, and uh, how do you determine, uh, like, do you, do you use stops and, and all of that? Or, or how do you determine that sort of thing? I always use stops. I use limit orders 80% of the time when I'm entering and I use limit orders 
100% of the time when I'm exiting. The only time I'm not using a limit order when my exits is when I'm scaling out uh, profits. Like you know, if, I, if I have an expected range of, say, I think it's going to go 80 pips in my favor or 80, 80 points, make it easier for you guys. Uh, if, it, if that's my expected range, I'm taking something off at 30 points. I'm taking something off at 50 points, and then I'm, I've paid myself. If my trade doesn't go to full target, I didn't waste my time. I didn't tie up equity in an uh, um, adventure that didn't pan out to anything. Now I paid myself. I funded my time, and now I don't have any point of worrying about whether it gets to my full target because I've paid myself. And then the target gets hit on my final balance with the limit order. But I use stops and limits 80% of the time. Excellent. And one question that I, I personally have had um, is your your system is uh, based off of like big money and institutions and stuff like that. Um, with in general, if with any trading system or style, if too many people, um, I mean, either this might be a fallacy, it might not, but the general consensus is if too many people are trading the same style or same methods, then it becomes less successful because of people front-running everybody else. And um, I don't think that's the case with your system because, I mean, institutions have to trade a certain way to fill liquidity and to fill their orders. Um, mm -hmm. But seeing so many, so many people in crypto use your system, it seems like it seems like that's the biggest trend right now is using some derivative of your style. So is it going to lose any of its uh, effect or deadliness um, if everybody, if all the retail traders are using it? If I could give an, uh, a response to the most asked question, it's that one. Mm -hmm. uh, I get that every time the, the topic comes up, if someone new comes to my, my Twitter mm -hmm. and they, they start seeing it. They get nervous. They, you know, hey, ICT, you know, you're teaching all this. This is great. But aren't you afraid it's going to stop working? Uh, it's not an edge. <laughs> okay. It's not an mm -hmm. edge. It's not a fad. This is how price is booked. It's always been this way. Okay. So think about this like this. Okay. Tiger Woods is a golfer. Phenomenal golfer. Okay. He, before he started playing golf, golf was what it was and then golf was changed by what way when he came in and did what he did one of those masters nothing it's still the game it doesn't change the underlying premise of how price is booked the markets are always going to have imbalances because deep pockets cannot work the same way as a retail trader if you and i go into the marketplace okay and we buy or sell say for instance um we buy amazon stock you and I. Yeah. If you and I buy Amazon stock or whatever the current market price is today, and I don't know what it is, but if we bought at the same time, you bought more than I did and I bought whatever I bought, we have no force in pushing price higher or lower because we just don't create the imbalance that's, that's caused by large institutional buying and selling. Mm -hmm. The premise behind how I trade is I'm looking for that moment when the elephant falls into the pool and displacement is seen, you can't, they can't hide it because their orders are so large. It's going to create this imbalance in price. Once that occurs, then it's like the, the, the hands have been tipped. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what's going to happen. Then you just wait for the rebalance and you get in. It's always going to be that way because greed will always be a factor. Money chases yield. And on an institutional level, that greed is insatiable. It cannot be satisfied. So when there's opportunity or when the opportunity is engineered by them by getting involved in something like they're doing, you know, slowly but surely they're getting into crypto. Mm -hmm. When we start seeing those signatures, it'll be apparent and it'll never stop working. It will never, ever, 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 ever. It will never stop working because of the imbalance that their activity creates in the marketplace. They can't, okay, JP Morgan, Goldman, okay, these entities, when they get in, they're not doing 100 shares. They're not doing that. They're right. not doing 1,000 shares. They're doing huge blocks, huge blocks. Mm -hmm. And they have to build that in in several stages. We just can't go in there and say, okay, I want to buy, you know, 500 million shares of this that or the other thing it has to be broken up in smaller bite-sized pieces 
And the same thing occurs in all the other asset classes for Forex. You know, it's big. It's the biggest market on the planet. And it's never going to change because the banks own it. And you can't beat them. The only thing you do is align yourself with them and follow the model that's there. The problem is most people don't have the discipline to follow what I teach. And it doesn't change it. It won't, it won't fall out of favor because it's the model that's there. And when you strip it away, there's absolutely no way for it to fail. There's none. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the underlying premise in the general uh, – it's generic. It's very generic when you strip it to its core. It, when, when a tree falls, okay, it, it's going to create a thud. And that, that thud, that, that shock wave, you're going to feel it in your feet because it is a large event. Something, something big just took place. We can see that in price. When that occurs, we take action on it. And it'll always be there because of the size of their orders. Yeah, definitely. And and that's kind of what I what I thought. I just wanted to hear it from from the expert. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that does make a lot of sense. Uh, has have markets changed from what you've seen? Because you've been in the game a long time, and um, you probably again you probably get this question a fair bit too. But has have markets changed with the introduction of doing it all online and and kind of I mean recently trading firms look a lot for like coders and people who can code this stuff to make it more uh, faster and, and all that. Have you seen any changes over the past 10, 20 years with, I mean, with everything being computerized and faster and has that changed anything with you? Well, I'm thankful that I was coming from a uh, technology based view on things because of my computer science degree and everything else. And I was making computer programs when I was in sixth grade. So I was looking forward to the eventual day where trading would be no longer open outcry in the pits in Chicago and Chicago board trade. They would move to electronic trading because I always believed that would be the most efficient way of doing it. I watched that transition. I was participating in the standardized uh, market of open outcry where you called your broker, wait for the phone to be picked up. Then they put you to your trading desk and then the broker would say, what's your password and your user number? And then it would confirm all your orders and you're waiting the whole time. All this is occurring. The market's moving around Mm -hmm. today because of speed and the efficiency of how we have electronic trading. Everything's at our fingertips. The the smartphone I'm holding in my hand right now, you can't see, but I'm waving right now. Mm -hmm. This thing is a million times more efficient than it was when I first started trading in 1992. So, if at all, we should be thankful and any new trader coming up should be uh, very appreciative because they can't understand how hard it was back in the 90s when it was not electronic. We watched it become electronic. What has changed is it's become easier. It's far more easier now. It's much more efficient in terms of time, your timing, the amount of information at your fingertips is abundant. I mean, you, your, your phone is literally like a library at your fingertips. We didn't have all that stuff back then. The best thing we had was um, the financial news uh, channel, which is now CNBC. You, whatever they told you in the ticker tape at the bottom of the screen, that was it. You know, that was the that's the that's the ultimate insight. You know, and today we're spoiled because we have all of these resources, and unfortunately, it creates that problem of information overload and analysis paralysis. So it's a double-edged sword. It's a lot of good change. But unfortunately, too much of a good thing can probably be a bad thing. Sure. So do you, when things get, I mean, things are going to progress from here, obviously, and and just go down the same trend they've been going. So um, do you foresee, again, this would be speculation, but do you foresee anything changing in the future as things get even more computerized? In terms of speed and efficiency increasing only, I don't think anything would um, I, 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 here's the, this is the buzzwords that's been going on for about eight or 10 years now. Uh, this high frequency trading, mm-hmm. all these high frequency trading models are screwing up the market. Then they're not, they're providing liquidity. And when you understand liquidity, you'll understand that that's actually a good thing. The more people that are trading, the more efficient the market will be. And it creates more counterparties and you won't get these quote unquote flash crashes because those things aren't occurring because someone fat fingered anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. They didn't create some kind of an algorithm because again, that goes back to the same premise that we as the traders are controlling the outcome of the marketplace when we're not, we're not. 
when we engage in price and we practice um, sound risk management, we have only that as our defense. That's our shield. We don't always know what the market's going to do, but to falsely attribute it to things that aren't have don't have any basis on why price is moving, I think is foolish. Yeah, definitely. That totally makes sense. So in in crypto, going something hit me when you said uh, Bitcoin seems uh, appears occasionally to dip into um, the the type of trading that you're talking about. We have something in crypto called like Bart Simpson patterns, with which again it only shows up on occasion uh, in certain circumstances, but it it's essentially looks like a, a a Bart Simpson head on the chart where you'll get a big mm-hmm. candle up or down. Um, let's say let's say up in this case, big candle up, couple flat candles, and then a big candle down. Um, mm-hmm. And you can get the inverse of that, which is down and then up. Is that kind of some of the signs you're talking about of just like this odd these odd patterns, or is that something different? Uh, no, it's it's a very specific um, model. I, I teach it. It's pretty. If you Google inner circle trader um, market maker buy model or market maker sell model and click on the image tab in Google, you'll see right away um, the, the fractal I'm referring to when I say I'm looking for specific things. That's the first fractal or, or pattern, if you will, like you're saying, your, your BART pattern. I, I've, I've seen it a couple of times when people talk to me about crypto. I don't personally see anything in that, but it doesn't change the validity if, if you see it. But the market maker buy and sell models, that image, if you click on it, go through uh, Google and Google my name and those names, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about when I say I'm looking for these signatures. That fractal, that pattern, when it becomes uniform on all time frames every single day, then I'll be trading crypto. But until then, I won't be touching it. Gotcha. And listeners, I'll, I'll be linking to all this stuff in the show notes as well. Um, as we wrap up here, I just have a, a couple more questions. Um, as I mentioned, you have a lot of content on YouTube. Is your trading style like again trading is as you know it it sometimes varies depending on how people think and different personalities play into this and different thought patterns is there any situ- like scenario where someone just might not ever grasp like the concepts and the way you trade and just might not ever click with them or do you think this is something that everybody can learn uh, this is a, a very close to the question I get a lot by students of mine or those that are on the fence about undertaking this huge amount of information that I put out. Um, and it's, a, you know, how long is it going to take for me to learn this? Or how long will it take for me to get good at this? And to answer your question and th- those questions, it's this. No educator, no teacher, no coach could ever time a student's ability to be versed in anything and your unique perception about what is successful or your understanding about something isn't going to be the same as mine. And it's not going to be the same as the people around you that would be looking at you outwardly saying you either don't or do understand what you're doing. So it's a personal journey. And I'm confident that if anyone puts the time into really studying it and learning it, they will get it. Will they get it in a month? No. It took me six years. And a lot of people will quit well before the first year ends if they don't feel confident that they're getting anything. That's the reason why I force people on intraday charts because whether they're going to trade it like that with real money or if they're learning how to do it to, to scale it up to a larger time frame, it doesn't make a difference because it doesn't change the importance of understanding how price is delivered. So if... One were to ask me, hey, you know, can anyone learn this? Anyone can, but most of them won't because it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of study. And most importantly, it takes a lot of practice and practicing something that you don't understand until you see it a few times. It's it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be doing this by yourself. You only have a couple things to look at and describing what it is you're supposed to do. And then you have to sit in there and then wait for it to form in the charts. And it's, it's hard. I mean, trading itself is very, very, very difficult for a new trader because you, you don't know what you're getting into. 
you think it is because they see the Lamborghinis, they see the mansions and the pretty girls out of the poolside and nobody's going to work anymore. That's not what this is. What this is, is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of focus. It's a lot of concentration and it's a lot of heartache in the beginning. And you have to endure all of that. And then if you've lasted that long, then on the upslope, you can start working towards all those things that you got into trading for. Yeah, that does. That, that makes a lot of sense, too. And it's a lot of I mean, you hear that with everything, right? You have to put in the time, and the work. Yes. If there was <clears throat> if you were to give yourself advice when you first got into trading. So think back to when you first started trading right now, if you could go back in time and give that version of yourself advice, what advice would you give yourself? Relax and try not to force it because I was very focused on cracking this code, this, this, this marketplace. I wanted to figure out why it did what it did. It wasn't enough to be profitable because th that part wasn't the, the, uh, the fixation I had about it. Uh, I have an obsessive compulsive disorder and I do this with everything. And when I suffered real losses and it was a lot of money, it was scarring and I didn't want to feel that anymore. And one of the things I told myself is I'm going to figure out how to avoid these losses. I'm never going to endure these again. I'm never going to have this much money come out of my hands again. Now I've lost a lot since then. If you collectively and cumulatively add it all up, I've lost fortunes, but I'm not losing fortunes in a week or a month like I was back in the nineties. So if I could go back and sit down with myself, I would tell myself to relax, don't force it, let it happen. And it's going to be a process and it's going to be years versus weeks and months. And one of the things that I wish I could go back and tell myself is not to listen to other people. Don't share my opinion about a marketplace to anyone else because you're not going to get, yeah, I, I agree with you. You're going to get opposition and that opposition creates second guessing and second guessing clouds the mind and stunts development. If you don't study with your own analysis and you keep it to yourself, you cannot gauge your development. You can't measure it because you have invited other people and other opinion and chaff in. So how can you accurately and without emotion measure your development and progress? You can't. So this is not a team sport. It's not, hey, look, let's get be a part of the click and we're all going to be a trading team, a trading group, and we're all going to do the same thing. It doesn't work. It's, it's herd mentality gets you killed in trading. You have to be the predator on the outside of the herd. And the predator is not saying, hey, sheep, I'm waiting for one of the weakest ones to be left in the crowd when I charge you. Okay, so I'm letting you know in advance. They don't, they don't do that. They're sitting back and they're waiting cautiously and then they'll charge and the herd will go one way and the one that's sickly or weak will be left and that's the one that pounces on. I don't want to be that in trading. I want to be the predator. I want to be the one that's controlling the conditions and situations. So back then as a new trader, I was trying to be the smartest one in the herd. I wanted to be the one that was leading the herd. And I, if I could go back in time and tell myself, don't think that way. Be comfortable being on the outside. Be the one that no one sees coming. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. And that's, I mean, I bet you wish you could go back and tell yourself all of that. But I mean, it's great that you you have all of that knowledge now. Um, uh, with all of your content on YouTube, if someone is looking to just start, if let's say someone uh, knows the charts, knows trading, um, and is familiar with all, with all of that, where would they start with your content um, to try and do sort of a progression and to learn things in the right order? Um, what, what three videos would you recommend to start with and then where to go from there? I have a couple video series that are on my YouTube channel. Uh, the one is um, titled Went, W-E-N-T, which, which basically is a short uh, description of what every new trader wants to know. And I think that is a good start for anyone. Uh, it'll challenge you and your perceptions on what you're doing this for and kind of like get you in line with the realistic side of what it takes to, to learn this. I think that's a really good starting point. And then from there, 
uh, I think that if they went through um, the scalping series, it's only a three volume series. If they watch that, they can quickly see how we can see what price is doing on a lower time frame, and it's it's one hundred percent one hundred percent scalable. So whatever I'm showing in a, an intraday chart, just take the intraday chart and change it to a daily chart, and it's the same thing, just applied to a larger time frame. So that way, it gives them a lot of, um, I guess, direction for practice and see if what I'm talking about is in the charts. You'll know right away if it is going to click with you or it's not. And from there, I would suggest they go into Sniper Series um, and then Precision Concepts. So if you do those, what is that, four, yeah, four series in that order, you're good. And then there's some topical studies that I did uh, as a series called 4Xmas, where I did like 25 individual little topical studies. They can do that also. They're very small videos. But I think after digesting all that, they'll know 90% of what every retail trader doesn't know. Awesome. So you've got the, the Went series, you've got the Scalping series, you've got the Sniper, and then what was the last one? Precision Trading. And then it's in that order, correct? Yes. Beauty. Um, Okay, as we wrap up here, um, thank you so much, so much for coming on the show. Um, is there anything you want to tell listeners? Is there anything that uh, you have going on currently? Um, what, now's your time to, to tell listeners anything that, that you want to tell them to know or where to find you or um, anything like that. And as I said, I'll put links in the show notes as well. Uh, if they want to know more, they can follow me on Twitter at I underscore A-M underscore ICT and every now and then I'll be adding videos on my YouTube channel. So they can just follow along that way. Excellent. Thank you so much ICT for coming on the show. It, it's been really awesome to have you on. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. For sure. See you guys later next time. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Crypto Secrets of the Trade. Please subscribe, leave a review and share the episode to get more visibility for the show so we can keep producing great shows like this. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Nothing in this podcast is financial, trading, or investment advice. Nothing is a recommendation to buy or sell anything for entertainment purposes only. Trading and investing is very risky. Any actions you take are entirely at your own risk. Do your own research. Everything in this podcast is based solely on opinion. 